This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Amen. Thank you, Michelle and the team. What an awesome time of worship that was. Here as we're celebrating 10 years, 10 years of Hope Church. You know, you'd get less for breaking and entering. Now, I think there's some people in the room who were here, well, not here, but on the first service of Hope Church, when we started meeting in the in the school. Hands up if you were here on that very first day. Yeah? Vicky, Lucy, Ever was technically here in mummy's tummy. Um, June, good to see you. Howard. Well, before we move into uh, our word for this morning, uh, I know that Dave's got a, a word that's, that God's put upon his heart through interesting circumstances, but the, the right man with a word in season. Um, I just want to give an opportunity, and how it's going to kick us off, just to come and maybe share uh, a word of, of testimony of what God has been doing uh, in your life over the last couple of years. How would you want to kick us off? Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Lovely to see you all, especially those online, because you usually see this. So, hi, it's me, Howard. (laughs) Quick story to introduce Sue and me to you, for those who don't know us. We were married in 1977 in a Roman Catholic church. Uh, Our first daughter, Melissa, was born in 1979, and our second daughter, Lydia, was born in 1984. We became Christians just before Lydia was born. So Lydia, our beloved Lydia, passed away in 2001 with cancer, just before her 17th birthday. So our Christian faith, did it take a knock? Um, I would say it left a lot of questions, a huge amount of questions. We moved house four times in five years. We couldn't settle down. And we moved church more times than that because... We couldn't cope with churches that couldn't cope with us. So, that's a brief background of where we are. So, how did you find Hope Church? Did you sit on the internet? Did someone tell you? Were you given a leaflet? Well, we were given a leaflet, and there's a power in the name, because the pastor was called Mark and Lydia, (coughs) which uh, basically got us to this church because of one name. I like to think that people come to the church because of Jesus, but in our instance, it was Lydia. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So from day one, I I came along. And Sue followed me a couple of weeks later when I went back and said, wow, I think I found something special. So we love the worship. It's modern and traditional. The preaching is sound, it's biblical, inspiring, 
and it makes you think afterwards, not only about Mark's jokes, but <clears throat> whether it reaches and inspires your spirit. Outreach is always ongoing. Prayer meetings are inspirational and encouraging. House groups, and we've just finished Alpha, or in the middle of Alpha. For me, this has been a great refresher. Uh, we have great sound system and a good team. We have brilliant coffee makers and welcomers. This church encouraged us to go back to Romania in 2016, having previously worked in um, uh, six times before that. And then the church were fantastic when I had my cancer. And the support of coming to my house with food and medication, because at that time it was COVID. So it was very difficult for people to get around. Um, and then recently, just before Christmas, Sue lost her mum and dad within a month of each other. That has been a huge shock and with sharing experiences in this church, we found out that people have been through similar. And that is so important because then you can share. You can help other people and you can take things in and move on, which has happened to us. This church has not judged us because at times we can be awkward. <laughs> um, it's because uh, of the way we are. Sometimes we can be very high, sometimes we can be very low, but we're panning out with the help of this church. So I like to think that this fellowship is closer than a brother because I can share more with people in this church than I have with my brothers. They find it very difficult talking about Lydia. I know none of you in this room knew Lydia. So I could go on singing the praises of this church, but it comes down to one thing. In John 12, 32, it says, the danger is the glory in men. Yet Jesus says we are to lift up only him. We still thank the Lord for Hope Church, drawing us closer to Jesus. This fellowship has blessed us, and we hope we can be a blessing to you as well. Thank you, buddy. I think you're going to grab the mic then. Um, okay, we're, in a second, um, we're going to pray for the children before they leave, but did anyone else want to, to share something before we, before we move on? Or is it just a bit too spontaneous for you to jump up? Okay, let's, let's pray for the youngsters before they go out to their groups. Father God, I just want to thank you for um, uh, the young people that we have in this church, Lord God. And I pray that you would bless them as they go to their groups now, that they would uh, enjoy a time, Lord God, where they grow in their faith and their understanding of, of who you are and who they are, Lord God, made perfectly in your image. So our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, uh, now Dave's going to come and he's going to share a word with us uh, this morning as we continue our slow walk through the Gospel of Luke. Dave. So, uh, 
<clears throat> I didn't think I was going to be preaching today until yesterday. <laughs> so uh, Sue, Sue was uh, meant to be preaching today, but um, uh, we've been on a trip to Israel, which has been incredible, uh, on a coach with 40 other people, and uh, we were sharing everything. Uh, <laughs> and plainly, there was some colds and stuff going around, and so, so Sue's uh, sat at home watching online at the moment. And um, so some, some of the slides that I've got here are very pretty, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do them, all right? Brilliant. So there we go. So just to explain. Just before I get started on the word, I, um, I had a couple of dreams this week, and I was trying to understand what God was saying to me in it. And then I was praying about the church this morning, and it's quite a serious word, actually. Um, <clears throat> there's somebody in this, either in this room or you're watching online, and right now you're seriously thinking of walking into an adulterous relationship. Now, I don't know who you are, okay? God's not told me that bit. But in your head, the door is open. This is a person you know very well. Um, you might have even had some interaction with them. Um, but you've not actually walked into the relationship yet. And God, you think no one knows, not even your partner. And God is telling you right now that he knows. And he does not want you to go through that door. So I don't know who you are, but that's, uh, God really laid that on my heart for three days. So, uh, yeah. Sort it with God, please. Okay. The word. Right. Trundling on through the book of Luke. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the message today we're going to be talking about is basically we're going to be talking about faith. So that the passage that we're looking at refers to faith. And it's key. Without it, we can't please God. All right. So here we have a slide. And you can see what I mean about pretty slides. There's no way I did that slide, all right? right. Mine would just be black and white letters, okay? Okay. Can I read it? Yeah. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let that sink in for a minute, because we, we, we think of all sorts of different ways in which we, things we have to do to please God. But at the end of the day, faith needs to be in operation. When faith in operation, we please God. God likes it when we go out on a limb with him. <laughs> that, that thrills his heart. So, it's the 10th anniversary of hope. Uh, we're all here. We love God. Um, and we want to please him. So we all want to know more about this faith secret. So, Luke 17. And we're going to be looking at just two verses, 5 and 6. So just before this, of course, uh, the beginning of Luke 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples, um, and he talks about offense, doesn't he? We heard that message last week about offense. Um, so then the apostles asked Jesus this question. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Good question. All right? Good question. They get it. Okay. Um, we need faith... 
Good question. Let me just leave it at that. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this cycamine tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, Jesus' response is really interesting, isn't it? Because they're talking about increasing our faith. And then he goes on to talk about something that is so small you can hardly see it, which is this tiny little mustard seed. Um, the, the sort of thing we expected Jesus to say would be something like, hey guys, you got it all wrong, right? You don't need mustard seed faith. What you really need is coconut-sized faith. And I think, yeah, there's a picture of some coconuts. <laughs> okay, but, but he didn't do that, okay? He didn't say that. He says, mustard seed faith. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this cycamine tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So, two points to our sermon, all right? First point, mustard seed faith is big enough to get the job done. Mustard seed faith is big enough to get the job done. And the second thing is that faith involves speaking to things. Now, the cycamine tree, I think it has monster roots. Uh, I think I heard a quote, 250-foot roots or something crazy. So to, to say to somebody, you can speak to a tree, you can pull it up by the roots and move it, and the roots are 250 feet, that shows incredible power at our disposal. And Jesus says, all you need to get that stuff moving or working is mustard seed faith. Then why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? So Jesus, uh, there's a kind of a parallel way in which Jesus uses this expression, mustard seed faith, in Matthew 17. So let's read Matthew uh, 17. No, before we read it, you can tell I only got this yesterday, can't you? <laughs> so forgive me stumbling slightly. So, context, context, context is king, all right? So, Matthew 17. So, uh, just before this happens, basically, Jesus is up in the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, it's where that cloud comes down. Peter, James, and John, I think, are up there with him. And they hear the voice from heaven say, This, you know, this is my son, you know, listen to him, basically. They go back down the mountainside, and Jesus in- encounters this scene where the other nine disciples are basically around this young boy who's foaming at the mouth and rising around on the ground. They're trying to cast a demon out of him and they can't. Um, And there's some Pharisees or something looking on and there's a bit of a crowd there. And Jesus, you know, just gets... It almost sounds like he's frustrated, doesn't it? And he starts having this conversation with the father and then he gets the boy delivered. And then privately, here's the smart, smart thing to do. Here, privately, uh, the disciples came to Jesus. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, we could not cast him out. Why could we not cast him out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, is God a liar? No, of course not. It's true. So what was the problem here? There was unbelief was starting to operate. So 
it's a puzzle for me in a way. These guys, we'd already had the 70, okay? You remember back in Luke 10 when he went out two by two. So they've seen the power of God in their own ministries, all right? And they're encountered by this young boy uh, having what we would probably label um, uh, an epileptic fit of some kind. And they're trying to get Stephen out and they cannot get him out. And Jesus says, it's unbelief, okay? It's unbelief is why you couldn't get him out. So what was going on? These disciples could do this before. Why can't they do it now? I would, it doesn't say, okay? The scriptures here don't say. I would suggest that they started looking at the problem, not at the solution. So if you like, they started to become overwhelmed by the problem that they were seeing. And you can imagine too, there was all the Pharisees stood around. Well, that ain't working, eh? What, 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 what sort of words are those? Why don't you use different words? Well, you know, when we have an exorcism, we normally use these words. And, the, and then the pressure starts to pile up as the crowd's growing. And they're thinking, what's going on here? And Jesus is priming them. Unbelief. So, if unbelief's a problem for the disciples, it's, it can be a problem for us. And we need to learn. Yeah. So let's have a look at uh, some other examples. Yeah, I, I sort of summarized, I summarized it with this statement. Their faith was derailed by what they saw. Their faith was derailed by what they saw. Okay, another example from the song. Okay, we sung the song earlier about Peter walking on the water. Matthew 14, 30 and 31. So... Incredible story, all right. Uh, Jesus basically sends the disciples off in a boat. They go off and go across the Sea of Galilee. He goes up a mountain and prays. He comes back down, and uh, it's really just an inland lake. I was there. I was there last week. <laughs> but it's a big lake, believe me. And the lake is actually below sea level, so I didn't know that. So it's very easy for these storms to come in and for it to get very stormy. Anyway... So they're out in this boat and um, in the middle of the lake and suddenly they see Jesus coming to them walking on the water. I think this is incredible, walking on the water. So, so is he walking so right on the very surface of the water or is it up to his ankles or up to his calves? I mean, doesn't, doesn't that interest you? I'm fascinated by that. Anyway, so it looks like he's going to go past the boat. Hi, guys. And then Peter spots him, and he says, there's, there's almost like a prove it to me as well in this, I think. But he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come out on, on, on the water. Only Peter would do that, right? That, the, impet, the impetuous one, you know. <laughs> so Jesus calls him out onto the water. Peter jumps down, amazing confidence, right? Because you're jumping out of this boat onto the water. And then he starts walking on it. And then, it, then it, suddenly it, it, it starts to, he starts to see these wind and these waves. And he starts to look around at the wind and the waves. And uh, we pick up in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? So there we have a very clear example 
Basically, he was distracted by what was going on around him. His faith was derailed by what he saw. His faith was derailed by what he saw. Incredible. Uh, Old Testament example. Okay, so it's an Old Testament example, but it's, we're told it's an example to us as well as New Testament believers. Um, the Old Testament, the children, they have all the plagues in Egypt. They get out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts for them. They see the whole Egyptian army basically drowned. Um, they go into the desert. God meets their needs supernaturally. Uh, then they get to the edge of the promised land. And then um, Moses organizes 12 spies, one from each of the tribes, to go in to spy out this land. Um, so what I'm reading from, I don't have it on a slide here, but it's Numbers 13, Peter. You can look at it later. Numbers 13, 30 to 33. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So Hebrews sums this up for us, okay? Book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 3, verse 19. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And in fact, they spent 40 years wandering the desert. So it took a generation for them to see the victory. So unbelief stopped them seeing the promise of God manifest in their lives. And that's an example for us. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, all right? Um, I think it's just good to try and understand sometimes when we don't see things happen as we would like or we're waiting a very long time for things to happen. And God doesn't want us to not know what's going on. And one of the things that can happen, one of the things that I'm talking about here, is unbelief can get in when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We become distracted. These Jewish people, the people of Israel here, they just saw giants. That's all they saw. They saw giants. They saw the impossibility of the task that was at hand. But it's faith that sees. It's faith that sees. Okay. So even Jesus' ministry was held up a little bit. A little bit. It was stopped. Um, so he's in, he's in Nazareth. This is in Mark uh, chapter 6. Um Verses 5 and 6. Actually, it's 5a and 6, I think I have on the slide. Yeah, it's not all of 5 and 6. But just to, just to make the point. So he could, this is speaking of Jesus in Nazareth, he could do no mighty works. Uh, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And the word no, it means it's not even one. Not even one mighty work because of their unbelief. Jesus could not move in Nazareth because of unbelief. It stopped the Son of God moving. 
So why was that? Well, who's this Jesus bloke? Anyway, we, we, we know his brothers and sisters. We know about James. We know Mary, his mum. We know Joseph, his dad. You know, who do you think you are anyway? Incredible. Okay. A uh, woman with the issue. Uh, from Mark chapter 5. See what, how Jesus uh, speaks to this woman. Uh, Mark 5, 28 to 30. For she said, if, I own, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, sorry. So the woman with the issue, she'd spent all her money on doctors uh, trying to get well. I think it says something like 12 years she'd had this problem or something. Um, so she goes out into this crowd so she was breaking the law. Okay, she's breaking Mosaic law. She could be stoned. Um, and by touching other people, she's actually making them unclean as well. All right. So she's got it in her head. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, so she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she pulls power. She pulls power. I mean, Jesus doesn't even know he, she's there. All right. She pulls power, and she's healed. She just knows instantly that she's healed. And he turns around, and now he's looking for testimony, right? She could have been stoned because she shouldn't be there. So if you like, in her sin, she got healed. In her sin, she got healed. Sin was not stopping this woman getting healed. She was walking in faith, and she touched the hem of his garment. And then he says to her, um, for, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was hold of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? And then she owns up and he says to her, woman, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Absolutely incredible. So, for God to move in our lives, there's this there's this uh, partnership. We have to have this faith operate in. And sometimes this unbelief can get in the way. Um, here's another one, look. Mark, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, when he entered the house, this is Jesus. The blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? I don't think I've ever said that on a healing line <laughs> to anybody. All right? But that's what Jesus said to somebody. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Um, and they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. So, all we need is a mustard seed. Now, all we need is a mustard seed. And we've got to stop this doubt coming in. And how does the doubt come in? One of the ways in which the doubt comes in is uh, this distraction. We take our eyes off of Jesus. We take our eyes off of the solution. And we start focusing on the problem. And in our minds, the more we focus on the problem, the more it, we become obsessed with the problem. Okay? And soon it's consuming our thinking. Okay, we'll wake up in the middle of the night 
or maybe we'll be awake all night. We're just consumed by the problem. All right? And the exhortation for us all this morning is to look at Jesus. To look at Jesus. Okay, Dave, that's all very well for you to say that. But how, how do I actually do that? Okay, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us run... Let us run with endurance. Sorry, I was going to quote the King James. King James says, let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, now that's helpful, isn't it? I don't know about you. I find that helpful. All right. So when we start obsessing about the problem, we need to take our eyes off the problem. We need to start looking at the Word of God. And we need to start looking at Jesus. Okay? If there's a particular problem that you're dealing with or a particular situation that you're involved in, look for how Jesus dealt with that. Or look for the scriptures that can relate to that. Okay? I'm told you can just Google these days. You know, Give me scriptures on jobs or give me scriptures on within Google and you'll, you'll get a list there. But we need to take our eyes off the problem and we need to look at Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So as we look at Jesus, then we can start to lose the unbelief and start to regain the faith and the confidence that we have. So this uh, word looking here, um, afareo, Undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on the object. So we're looking at Jesus. We're looking at Jesus. It works. Believe me, it works. Um. So one of the things it talks about in here too is let us run with endurance or let us run with patience. Now that's that whole, there's a, there's a sermon in there as well, okay? Because it says elsewhere, through faith and patience we inherit the promises. So there is a sense in which we have, there's a sense in which we believe things before we actually see it manifest in the flesh. Um, if you like, when we first become Christians, we believe we're saved, but outwardly there's no change, is there? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So, but but uh, our faith is very highly developed over our salvation. But when these these other things, you know, it's you're having your needs met or healing or whatever, uh, it's it's a much harder job. It's much easier to move in unbelief and doubt, isn't it, than it is to move in faith? It's a real challenge. But this whole idea of with patience, and the, the second point in the message, which I've not really talked about, is this speaking to the mountain. So Jesus clearly said we speak to the mountain. And it's amazing, all right? Well, we can talk to them. We can talk to God about the mountain. Um, we can talk to other people about the mountain. Um, we can pray to God about the mountain. But Jesus says speak to the mountain, which is very specific, okay? So we do, we do have to say, I speak to this particular situation. All right, I remember once I was in a lot of financial problems, okay? Um, it was January, beginning of the year, and it's when it all comes home to roost. And I let, uh, the Bible says, my God shall meet all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Okay, it doesn't say he'll meet my need according to his need, according to my need. It says he'll meet my need according to his riches. So I laid out all my bank statements and all these bills, all this red. <laughs> and I just said, you're lying to me. I said, you're lying to me. I'm speaking to the mountain. You're lying to me in the name of Jesus because God's word says that he'll meet my need according to his riches in glory. Now, God gives us hands to work with, okay? So sometimes people will drop money through your door, okay? But God does give us hands to work with. In Deuteronomy, it says that God, it is God that giveth thee the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant in the earth. So we go out and work. Okay, but that, you know, that was where I was speaking to the mountain. I was speaking to my bank account and my bank statements. All right? that, was, that was the mountain for me at that point in time. So I just encourage you, the situations that you might be facing or encountering, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain and don't, don't get consumed with the mountain in your brain because it is so easy to do. And then just start focusing on Jesus, focusing on Jesus, focusing on Jesus. I think... Um, I think Joseph waited 13 years, I think it was, before he saw the manifestation of some of the dreams that he'd had. 13 years, a long time. Through faith and patience, or through faith and endurance. Yeah, so I hope you've got something out and you've learned something this morning, but let's just have a word of prayer. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank and praise you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the challenge of your word. Lord, I thank you too uh, for just giving us keys to help us. Lord, giving us keys to help us see victory, to help us see your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In the different situations that we are encountering today or tomorrow or the next day. For each person within the sound of my voice. Lord, I just pray that you would give them and give me the scriptures that we need for this point in time. That you, you would just draw us into your word to those scriptures that are relevant to the particular mountain that we might be facing at this point in time. And uh, Lord, I thank you that your word will accomplish that for which it was sent. And Lord, I just look forward to some testimony in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And the people said, Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, just as Dave was preaching, I just felt like I really needed to share a quick testimony. He, we'd been invited to earlier. Um, ten, ten and a half years ago, Mark and I went on a little road trip and went to see our old pastor back in Hertfordshire, who said, you need to start a church. And on the way home, Mark said, we're going to start a church. Um, now, here's the thing. In my heart and mind, I'd had on the way there, and maybe before that, we might have to start a church. And I didn't love the idea. Um, and then Mark was so determined after meeting with Pastor Brad that we were going to start a church that I caught on and went, okay, well, I already kind of thought we might have to. He probably already thought we kind of might have to, that God might be calling us to start a church. 
Now, what I'm telling you here is that we exist in community for a reason. Um, Dave just preached about unbelief coming against belief. And I believe that God wants to say to you this morning that, you know, where unbelief comes against belief, so it kind of cancels each other out, more belief cancels out unbelief. And sometimes we have to be in community and we have to be with people who believe more than we believe so that they can believe with us and for us. And that's why Jesus says to pray with each other where two or more are gathered. It's not that there's some magic in two or more except for the, their belief comes in to cancel out your unbelief. And there's just something about being in community. So I just thought it was very exciting today on one of our celebrations of Hope's 10th birthday to think that actually this is why we are together, okay? So if you are struggling in any area, if there is any mountain before you, if there is anything before you that you feel will not move and is just being a pain to you and difficult to you, then join with someone else with belief. That's why church exists, so that we can cancel out each other's belief. And how do we do the, the whole, can I just tell you there's not a single person, including Dave, including Sue, there is not a single person in this place in, in the realm of Hope Church, or probably in the world, that does not struggle with belief occasionally, okay? And faith, all right? And putting your faith in something you can't see is one of the most impossible things we ever ask each other to do. And yet, it's one of the marvellous things because it works. Um, and I think this is why Paul says in Philippians, it's not on the screen, Philippians 4 verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What he's telling us to do is think about the first thing he said was whatever is true and what's true is not the thing in front of you is not the bank statement it feels true because that's what the world tells us to live by but what's true is what God says about your bank statement it's what God says about your healing it's what God says is true and it goes over and above that's why the name of Jesus goes over and above everything that we see and feel in front of us, the truth is in here. And if we started to just literally, even in our unbelief, help me in my unbelief, Lord, started to literally speak the truth that we find in the Bible, which is why Dave said to Google it. Google the thing you're dealing with. Bible verse for this. And you will find scriptures. Start speaking those scriptures. Whether you believe them or not, it changes your thinking. And it gets you to the place where you are believing the truth and whatever is praiseworthy because you will be giving praise for it in the future. And that's why I told you to sing hallelujah earlier as well. Okay, so it feels like we went in a full circle and I felt like that's awesome and I didn't want you to miss that. So I hope that's okay. But I thought I'd mention this because when we started Hope Church, if I just had an inkling in my heart, I would never have spoken it out. If Brad had just said, you must start a church, and we'd driven home, and Mark went, oh, I don't think so, then I would never have said, oh, but Brad said. I think well, I'd have just kept it quiet, because I didn't really want to start a church. Um, and <laughs> it's, That's right. So, um, but Mark said, I think we're starting a church. And at that point, community came together. Two came together in agreement on what we believed 
God was calling us to do. And 10 years down the line, can I see your hands again if you were here on the first Sunday? Right, can you all look? Because most of you were not here on the first Sunday. And actually, there are many, many more people who have passed through these walls within the 10 years who aren't here now. They've moved away or moved on to something else. But the fact is that this church has impacted the community quite widely. And it's because... We believe because we were in community because God doesn't just expect you to do it all on your own, okay? So even if you live on your own, I don't want you to think that that is what you're called to. You have community around you. That's who these people are. So if you want to pray about anything that you are struggling with in your faith walk right now, please find somebody who believes or who will believe alongside you and cancel out your unbelief with you um, so that we can, because it's easier to believe for somebody else's miracle than it is for your own. Okay, so, Mark, you can close our service. I'm sorry. Oh, Criddy, I'm sorry. We're going to keep going. This is celebration time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, earlier in the week, God gave me a picture. And uh, we've got a pack so that I won't start opening my mouth until I have more and that I understand it more fully. Um, while I was out walking Noah... Um, he came back and I thought well I've missed the opportunity but coming back in um, I think it is for now I hope so so the picture was or this is how it went uh, there's a a scripture in Jeremiah that says um, about breaking up the ground Um, but the picture I had was that the ground you know when ground's been walked on and trodden on and really impacted it becomes so solid that that nothing makes an impression upon it and 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 I think the interpretation might be that there's somebody who's listening or hearing where that ground has been so trodden down so impacted that that God can't get through but I believe in the last I don't know week two I don't know over time, God has been breaking that ground up. And now the ground has been broken up. He can begin to pour his rain into it. Um, and it's, the rain is, is water. In the Bible, water is, is life. It brings life. Um, it, it's the Holy Spirit can go through and be absorbed by that earth again, those lumps, they're going to become, first of all, they're going to, like a sponge, absorb the moisture. And then, then life is going to come forth from that ground because it has been watered. So I'll leave that with you.